original text this morning is going to be Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 all the way down to verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 down to verse number 10. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for your truth that endures forever. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every person under the sound of my voice this morning. God, I pray that having heard this message today, that your people's lives would be further transformed. That, God, that you would do something, God, in our hearts that would cause us to appreciate even more the grace by which we have been saved. So, Father, our ears are open our hearts are open to hear what the Spirit has to say this morning to the church. We love you, and we anticipate, Lord, that you're going to help us today to draw nearer and to draw closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. Well, good morning. We are continuing our series uh, entitled Come Alive. Uh, we begin that series uh, last week and uh, talking about Jesus Christ and who he is. Uh, this series will be for the next several weeks sort of putting Christ in focus, who he is and what he's done for us in the life that he offers. So today I want to talk to you about the subject of grace. Everybody say grace. Everybody say grace. Hallelujah. Before I get really into the meat of my message this morning, I want to kind of begin with a little bit of testimony because I think it will help shape uh, where we're going to be going this morning. 
Um, some of you may know this, but um, it's certainly worth repeating. Uh, there was a time in my life, uh, being a Christian, having been saved for somewhat about four or five years, that um, the Christian life for me wasn't very fun. Uh, the Christian life was one that was, it began with such bliss. I first gave my life to Christ, and I remember just being so enthusiastic and being so excited about all that God had begun to do in my life. I was excited about the grace that had been bestowed upon me. But suddenly, something began to change. I noticed that all of a sudden, that what was fun and exciting and life-changing suddenly became a drag for me. I began to be really frustrated because it seemed like the closer I got to God, the more wretched I saw myself. I began to become frustrated because I felt, I, be, I came to this place where I kind of felt like that, um, that in order to please God, or in order for God to be accepted or to accept me, that there were certain things that I had to do. I had to perform. And whenever I didn't perform those things, I found myself very, very discouraged, very frustrated, even to the point of saying, God, what is it can I do? God, I mean, I cannot live this life you want me to live. God, the more it seemed, the harder I try, and I really tried, because in my, my heart of heart, I loved God with everything that was in me, and I just wanted to please him. And the reality struck me that I kept falling short of that. So it led me to a place where I'm walking down Route 7 in the McLean area where my wife and I used to live in McLean, and just thinking for a moment, I don't know if I want to continue this thing called faith. Um, because I, I just felt like I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't perform. I remember even doing devotionals. And I remember while I was sitting, it was like early in the morning, I'm sitting there reading my Bible, and, and I fell asleep. Anybody ever fell asleep reading the Bible? Am I the only one? You know, for me, I got really troubled by that because the enemy spoke to me and said, how can you truly love God, and you fall asleep while you are reading the Bible. And let me tell you something, it was this kind of harassing thing all of, all of the time. And I felt such guilt and shame. I don't even know where it came from, but suddenly it hit me. And I was like, God, what am I, God, what do you want from me? I can't do this. And then one day, while praying, and I heard this message on grace, and I read this book on grace. And I got the revelation that God never expected me to perform in order to be accepted by him. Let me tell you something. When that revelation hit me, now I want you to understand something. When I first got saved, I was excited, enthusiastic, but now it's starting to feel like I got a ton of bricks on my shoulder. Once that revelation hit me, suddenly I fell in love again. Not like before, 
Before I understood that he saved me, he, he brought me in, he got me into his grace. But now that was different because I understood for the first time that God loved me for who I am and that I was already accepted in the beloved. And so when I got that revelation, everything in my life changed. It changed. Suddenly, the love, the passion, and the drive became real, and I understood what it meant to truly live a life in grace. And so it made me want to love him and serve him even more. I thought about it. I said, God, God, you know, the, the fact that, Lord, that, that, that all the things that I did, and, and God, you mean to tell me I, that, that you still love me? I mean, I mean no, even after you get saved, there's some things that's still not right. Amen. I thought I'd just have to check because I don't know. And, 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 and now I walk a free man. I said before, I think I said it last week in one of my messages, I, I love God more today than I did back then. His lo I, my love for him grows deeper every day. I'm never tired because I understand that he loves me. He loves me. He loves you. His love is unconditional. Somewhere I have been taught a preacher, a word, whatever. It's, I've been taught that I had to figure out a way to earn God's approval. Boy, boy, that's a hard task. Will you understand that God is perfect and you are not? And I realized that I've been taught some bad stuff. And I had to get delivered. And so it was almost being reborn all over again. John 1.17 says this. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the law, the law has to do with works, Straining, trying to do it all on your own. The law has to do with, 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 with working where the Bible says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important to us? Because how many know that Jesus modeled grace perfectly? Perfectly. You, I want you to think about it. Jesus, who is God in flesh. God in flesh, yet when he walked the earth, you couldn't have, you, you didn't know it, other than, except that the miracle that he did, because when people saw him, he connected with them. He connected with the poor. He connected with people. And though he was God in flesh, he never looked down on people in a condescending way. Never, not one time. And so he walked with so much grace. The people that he made people upset. How many know that there are some grace killers out there today? I call them grace killers. Jesus, how can you who say that you are a man of God, how can you sit down and eat with, with raunchy sinners? Why, Jesus, 
Do you know what kind of woman that is? Why would you even let her put her finger on you? Do, do, do you understand why Jesus, how I many know Jesus baffled them? He went into, watch this, he went into sinful places. He went into houses of unbelievers. He went into houses where there were sinners. And people got upset. Why? Jesus always pulled them outside of their thinking. He was always doing that because he was grace personified. See, grace is inviting. You ever wonder why all those people, they flock behind Jesus? <laughs> it wasn't just because of the words he spoke, which was true, but it was because of the life that he lived. He accepted them. He made them feel worthy. How many know grace accepts? Grace empowers. Grace gives people a reason to hope. And Jesus all the time, people were flocking to him because people who were in a religious system who always fell short, who was constantly reminded of how bad they were, Jesus reached down to them and he says, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are loved. And the woman that was caught in adultery, everybody wanted to kill her and justly according to the law. But Jesus came and said, woman, where are your condemners? Where are they? I release you. Go and sin no more. Grace is attractive. Grace draws people. Grace brings life and grace brings hope. Legalism don't. Legalism chokes. Legalism, I believe, and I'm going to say another radical statement. I believe that legalism has its roots in the demonic. How many know that everything that Jesus did, the devil always tried to distort? Every time. How many know that? How many, am I talking to myself this morning? How many know I'm talking? Everything that Jesus did, the devil tries to distort. So legalism has its roots in man-made traditions and rules and regulations that has no, no boundaries. No, it doesn't come from the word of God. And people always want to put rules and restrictions on You know, Christians, we love rules and restrictions. We focus more on people's sin and what they're doing wrong than appealing to their good nature and believing that God can fix whatever it is that is broken in them. We are experts in picking out people's shortcomings or their perceived shortcomings, except when it comes to ourselves. We're experts at all of that. God wants us to understand and to be a people of grace. My message today is come alive with grace. Let me tell you something. When you're going to get a revelation of God's grace, let me tell you something. I'm not talking about just saying words like I've been saved by grace. I said when you get a revelation, it'll set you free. You'll love God so much. <laughs> you will love God more than you ever loved him before because I realize that he loved me in spite of me. He loves me and he accepts me. I don't have to perform. 
I just need to love him and walk with him. And how many know when you love him and walk with him, transformation just kind of happens? It just happened. The closer you, trust me, the closer you get to him, there's certain things that you don't want to do no more. Because you can't change yourself. I know some of you have been trying. You can't, you need the grace of God. Now, the term grace, let's look at this term a little bit. The term grace means unlimited favor. Unlimited favor. Uh, it is to extend favor, everybody say favor, or kindness to one who doesn't deserve it, and watch this, and never can earn it. Now, that's troubling to some people because you've been taught that, that, that you know, I got I to work for everything I get, but not when it comes to grace. <laughs> you can't do enough to get God's acceptance. Is anybody hearing me? You cannot. You cannot because, oh, I got to stay grounded because I'm running ahead of myself. But let me tell you something. There's nothing you can do. Grace is absolutely and totally free. You know the old saying that there ain't no free lunch? When it apply, but that doesn't apply to grace. When it comes to earning your way into the kingdom. You can't earn your way into the kingdom. You are not smart enough. You're not good enough. And you're too sinful anyway. It'll never happen. You got to come through the blood of Christ, period, only. There's no other way. Grace. Everybody say grace. Can you imagine if I came, you invited me and first lady over to your house, and you fed us a nice dinner. You see, I'm, I'm talking, y'all listen. And, and, and you, gave us a, you gave us a really, really nice dinner. I mean, you laid out the stuff for us. I mean, you got great dessert, great cooking. I mean, the house is immaculate. Everything is absolutely wonderful. And, and, and then we sit there and we fellowship and we eat and we enjoy ourselves talking about the goodness of the Lord. And then right at the time when it's time to leave, I reach in my wallet and I say, how much do I owe you? You would be offended, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I can see you now. Wait, soon we get out the door. Can you believe? Can you believe that he insulted me by asking me for money? We just invited you over to bless you, to give to you, and you're going to ask me for money? What's wrong? That's how some Christians are. They keep trying to ask God. They don't understand. They don't understand grace. Somehow, God, I got to pay you back. You will never pay him back. You, it's impossible. Stop the madness. See, grace killers don't like this kind of message. See, grace killers be mad at me right now. They be sitting here with their face all contorted. But you know, with me, I don't care. I just keep, I, I know, but I'm standing in grace. I am a testimony of God's grace, and I am to the point that I can care less. I am free, baby, free as a bird. And when you have been trapped in a system of legalism and you get free, you don't go back there no more. You know. And so anything, I can smell it. I can smell legalism. I smell it, but I'm like, oh, I smell you. Back off. Oh, you guys say, everybody say, back off. <laughs> yes, sir. By grace, uh, Ephesians 2, 9. Uh, first, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Look at this verse. 
For by grace, everybody say grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, listen to this, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now he says through faith. Well, faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith. You notice it didn't say being justified by your works. Being justified by all the things that you can do. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also, watch this church, we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. How many know we stand in the grace of God today? Romans 3, 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say in this verse, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Everybody say mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 is everybody still listening? Say amen. I'm, I'm going to say something this morning. Listen, here's what happens sometimes. Because I'm, I'm just going to call it like I see it. Is that okay? We get saved sometimes, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, all that wonderful stuff. And if you're not careful, when somebody is not at your level, that you can find yourself looking down on other people. Because, you know, you know how it is when God cleans you up, I mean, you feel really good, don't you? I mean, you know how it is. You feel, but, and then especially if you start getting some knowledge and some information, you really feel good. But I know the word of God. I've been studying. I got the scriptures. I, got, I, I know all that. And, you, and somebody else walk in who is struggling in sin, who are having a hard time. If you're not careful, you will look down and say, and, and, and watch this, and act like you did something to get what you got. How many know that that's an insult to the spirit of grace? You see, let me tell you something. We ought to be level. Let me, let me, here's, here's an opinion that I have of myself. Paul, and, 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 and I'm right with the Apostle Paul. Paul says, watch this. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Everybody ought to get that. So wherever you are, your smart, your good looks, your money, your resources, your attitude, whatever it is that's changing your life, you are what you are, not because you did it, but by the grace of God. So nobody in this room can look down on anybody. Who gave you the right to look down on anybody because you got a little bit more knowledge or you've been walking with God just a little bit longer or you got, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to humble yourself. Listen to me. Every person that walked in these doors, every person walking, how many know that, that, that we need to extend grace to them, the same grace that God gave to us? We ought to give it to them. Let them know of God's grace, his grace has saved me. I am what I am. If you see any good in me, make no mistake about it. It ain't because of me. I'm not tripping. I'm telling you, I'm not tripping. If you see any remote, any good thing in Pastor Gary, count it all up for the grace of God because he did it. I got nothing to do with it. I'm standing here. I'm baffled. I'm just like you. I have no clue why he's done what he's done in my life, but it is what it is, and it's by his grace that I stand. 
by the grace of God. And I don't apologize for that, people. I don't apologize. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? How many know that Paul is calling us out? See, how many know that, that this will keep you humble? It'll keep you grounded. When you look at everybody, and you see everybody, how many know if I see somebody who got sin problems, if I see somebody who's struggling, if I see somebody who's not at the level I am, my thought shouldn't be, look at them, they got issues. My thought should be, God, help me, Lord, to somehow figure out a way to get them to, get them to receive this grace so that they can come up to a higher place. God, will you please use me some way, somehow? God, I want to see them come up. God, use me instead of looking down on them like, well, how come you ain't doing this or how come you ain't doing that? Well, you know, everybody ain't doing everything. We can always play that game. How come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? How come you're not doing that? How come you're not doing that? Listen, we all can do that. Why don't we just settle this thing and say, you know what? We thank God that I'm in the kingdom by his grace. I thank God that he's worked mightily in me. I thank God that I've been saved now for some 24 years, and I thank God that I haven't gone back into the world. And the only reason I haven't gone back into the world is because of his grace. The only reason why I'm still standing back here preaching today, make no mistake about it, it is because of his grace, because of his grace, and it is a gift of God. Everybody say gift. It's a gift. Everybody say gift. If I give you something and I take it back, is it a gift? How many know that we're not only saved by grace, but we're kept by grace? Galatians chapter number three, Apostle Paul talking to the Galatian church. Paul has spent some time with the Galatians. <laughs> he was ministering to them. He was sharing with them, teaching them, and he poured his life into the Galatians. And they were doing well until some Judaizers or some grace killers came on the scene. You know, grace killers, ain't, they, they're never happy until everybody's unhappy like them. You ever met legalistic Christians? They're some of the most unhappy people on the planet. Everybody got to dress the same. Everybody got to look the same. Everybody got to do everything. I mean, the, I mean, no, God ain't even like that. God is a God of variety. Hallelujah. So Paul, talking to the Galatians, watch this, and look at it. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, chapter 3, verse number 1. Who has bewitched you? In other words, who has cast a spell on you? Somebody been playing with your mind. Something happened. You're not walking in the grace that I preached to you. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? And this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Watch this. Or by the hearing of faith. Verse number three. Are you so foolish? <laughs> Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by your flesh? Oh, see, this is how some people think. Well, you know what, in the Judaizers, here's what the Judaizers were saying. They were saying, well, you need Jesus Christ, you need, you need that, you need his grace and all that, that's good, but you also need to work your way in to prove that you're saved. 
How many have ever heard that? Jesus Christ plus some works. This is what the Judaizers are saying. It was, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We believe in that. Yeah, yeah. You can accept Jesus Christ, but you still, you got to do some things to prove. You got to work. Jesus Christ plus works means that you're saved. But how do we know that when Jesus hung up on that cross, when he said it's finished, that meant it was finished. <laughs> y'all, didn't, y'all didn't get that. When Jesus said it was finished, that means that he paid the sin debt. That means he covered us. Let me take you on a little bit of a journey here this morning. Uh, uh, look, at, um, uh, look at Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Come on, turn there with me real quick. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to read a few verses out of the Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter number 10. Oh, Lord Jesus. Start in verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 1. For the law, now I want to take you a little bit back to it, uh, back just a little bit, not long, back to the Old Testament and how they used to cover sins. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. In other words, in the Levitical priesthood, they were always at the offer sins for the people. And how many know they kept using uh, animals, and bulls, and goats? Why? Because it was all pointed toward the fact that unless they're the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. That's what that was all about. And so what they were doing, so every time they had to keep coming back, back and back. Why did they have to keep coming back? Watch this. For when they would have ceased, verse 2, for when they would have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers, once purified, will have no more consciousness of sin. All right? So if, if, if they would have ceased to be offered or if their sins would have been covered. But the problem was that wasn't the case. Verse number three. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Watch this. Verse four. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Here's what the scripture is saying. Never, ever, ever was did God intend that bulls and goats take away our sin. How many of you understand that? Never. They kept coming over and over again. And why did they kept coming over and over again? Because, number one, because the people kept sinning, right? They kept sinning. They kept sinning. They kept sinning. So they were offer blood and bulls and goats. Then they'd go home. Before they get home, they'd smack somebody in the face. They had to go back and get another turtle dove. You know, before they, got, before they got to the next day, they would have did, you know, they would have just killed somebody. So they had to come back. You know, all of, you know, they had a bad attitude, whatever the case might be. Listen to me, the blood of bulls and goats. God never, ever intended for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of the people. Never God had something else in mind. Everybody say he had something else. Look at verse, look at, look at verse number, uh, look at verse number 11. And every priest in the same chapter, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly, watch this church, the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. Now God had them offering sacrifices that he knew would never ever take away their sins. But how many know that God was at that moment, he was giving us an educational moment. He was teaching us. How many know that the law was meant to be a tutor to bring us to Christ to show us that we needed a Savior? 
But this man, look at verse number 12. I love this part. But this man, talking about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, Jesus, he now comes and Jesus offers himself. No blood of animals, no bulls, and no goats. He offers himself one sacrifice. Watch this. In verse 13, from that time, wait until his enemies are made his footstool. Now here it is, verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever. Everybody say forever. For those who are being sanctified. So by one sacrifice, God has perfected us forever. Everybody say forever. Jesus. See, the difference between the blood, you know, the two criminals, the two criminals on Galgasa that was on either side of Jesus, the difference between their blood and Jesus' blood was that Jesus' blood was my perfection. See, his blood was my righteousness. So for every beat down that he took, for every blood that spilled from his body, that was God's righteousness covering you and covering me. And, 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 get, and get this, church. His blood perfected us. Did his blood perfect us because they stopped sinning? Does his blood perfect us today because we stopped sinning? That's the question. His blood doesn't perfect you because how many, how many of you still got some issues? His blood perfects you because his blood is stronger than your sin. Where sin aground, grace did much more abound. Grace, everybody say grace. So you have been perfected not because of your works, not because you suddenly are doing everything right. You have been perfected because God decided to perfect you forever. And the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. This is why I have a problem. Hear me. This is why I have a problem, and I think it's heresy, when people start teaching and flirting around with the idea that you can lose your salvation. Because you never did anything to earn your salvation in the first place. It was God's gift to you. If you got to earn it, then perhaps you never had it. You never had it. But when God really saved you, you are saved. He perfected you forever knowing that you are still a a child of God that has issues that need a savior. So if, if, if the Bible says if righteousness didn't come by the law, come by your doing stuff, then Christ died for nothing. Christ died for nothing. How many know, how many feel good about it today? That Jesus has perfected you. That he has, he has accepted you. That his blood has covered you forever. You don't have to look over your back saying, oh God, if I do wrong today, God, are you going to kick me out? Are you going to kick me out? No, he's not going to kick. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look at the neighbor and say, that's good news. Now watch this. Look at this. So we're saved by grace. We're kept by grace. And we must now live by grace. Look at Romans chapter 6. Look at Romans chapter 6 real quick. Verses 1 and 2. Great verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And Paul asked a question here, a rhetorical question, that everybody know about, that everybody understands. <laughs> 
And Paul here was anticipating that some of the folk would be saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If righteousness come by just Christ and him doing all the work, then, then, then you know, then I can just go ahead and sin and do what I want to do. It's like Paul already was thinking ahead of him. He already knew. He said, I know some folk will be asking those questions. So Paul asks the question. He asked, look, look what he says here in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, now, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? How many know that when you've really been changed by grace, you ought to understand that you've been delivered from sin? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, uh, I need another volunteer. Uh, come on, come on, young man. This is your second time raising your hand. Come on up here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You see, you can leave your jacket on. You're fine. I'm not going to beat you up. We ain't going to fight or nothing like that. So, so you take your jacket off, you're going to go to a fight. You know how you get in school. So, so, so listen, every time, think about this. The Bible says that we have been set free. He says, shall we continue in sin? Now think about it. What have we been set free from? We've been set free from sin. So Paul's argument is, why, if you understand that God has set you free, why would you ever want to go back and wallow in sin? See, that's, that's a difference between somebody that struggles with sin or the point of somebody just wallow all around up in it. Oh, I love the sin. See, that's a difference. See, a person who are like that, I'm telling you right now, they never got redeemed. Because when you get redeemed, you don't want to wallow in sin. You don't like standing in a pig pig long. If you happen to stumble in there, you're trying to hurry up and get up out of it. You don't want to stay there because you got the Holy Spirit living down on the inside of you. And you know you've been redeemed. And every single time that you go to sin, think about it. Every single time that you sin, every single time that you walk in sin, I want you to put your hands behind your back. I didn't bring my handcuffs. But I want you to see this. Every single time, and I want you to smile. It look like you're really happy. All right? But every, see, when you're walking in sin, even you can look happy. You can have the look. But what's really happening is you're in bondage. The devil is yanking you and pulling you in any direction that he wants to. You know why? Because you're a slave to it. And when Christ came, he came and took the handcuffs off and freed you. So you can walk away from it. So why in the world do you want to come back to the slave master if Jesus had done set you free? Why do you want to come back when you know he delivered you from sin? I, listen, I don't know about you, but this ain't no fun. Try to move your arms. Try to move your arms. Come on, try to move your Come on, man. Get on them. Come on, come on, man. Come on, come on. Come on, man. That's how a lot of Christians are struggling. I don't want to hurt you. Calm down. <laughs> He's boy. This boy is strong. Thank you. Give him a hand. <laughs> Thank you. You see, so Paul says, shall I continue in sin? Anybody who's been changed by grace, you don't want to sin. The church say amen. amen. You've been set free. I don't know about you. When I got set free, I don't want nothing to do with sin. I really don't. I know what, that, I know what that's like. I've been there, done that. I don't know who, well, somebody, people get saying, well, I think uh, uh, grace is a like, grace ain't a license to sin. Grace is just the opposite. I've been set free. <laughs> when you're free, baby, you jump up and down, you dance, you're excited. I'm not a slave to adultery. 
I'm not a slave to unforgiveness. I'm not a slave to bitterness. I'm not a slave to anger. I'm free, and I'm not going to let you put chains on me, devil. I mean, we ought to live free. We ought to walk in the newness of life. The Bible says in Romans 6, 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. Don't let it reign. Don't let it reign, because you've been transformed now. You're a new creation. You, you've been saved by grace. You've been kept by grace. Now I'm going to live by grace. I'm, everybody say, live free. Yeah. Not the kind of freedom the devil offers. The kind of freedom the world offers ain't freedom. And church said amen. <laughs> See, the Bible says in Galatians 5.1, look at this. Stand fast. Everybody say, stand fast. Yeah. Uh, here, here we go. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So watch it. He said that, so stand fast in the liberty. And I'm going to tell you something. When you walk in grace, you got to fight for your freedom sometimes. Sometimes you got to fight church folk. Because church folk going to come at you. When they see you walking in grace, they'll, they'll hunt you down. What are you doing going to that movie theater? Don't you know you're, 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 you're a God? What's wrong with you? What are you doing dancing on the dance floor? I thought you said you were safe. Oh, I got quiet. Why are you listening to that song? Oh, I thought you were. Let me tell you something. Man-made rules and regulations. Paul says, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty of which Christ has set you free. In other words, stand fast, but not only just stand fast in the freedom from your sin, but stand fast in freedom from rules and restrictions that others want to put on you that have no biblical bearings. Wearing cosmetics. You know, you can go into some churches, you have one from jury, you're in trouble. The church said amen. <laughs> going to the beach. Oh, boy, boy, oh, you're going to the beach. The devil is alive. Going to a restaurant to sell alcohol. Oh, you went in that restaurant. You know they sell beer in there? Did you know that? Why did you walk up in there? I mean, you really shouldn't go in there. Oh, oh, if you really got it, why are you driving that nice car? Oh, why you got a nice That money could have been used to give to the poor. Oh, I'm preaching right now. I'm telling you, y'all know that. You, we look at people, you, know, you got really nice stuff, but well, you could have gave that to the church. What do you, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you want all these nice, fine stuff. Leave people alone. I almost said something else, but, because some of y'all wouldn't have been able to handle it, so. Yeah. You, you need to leave people alone. How many know that we're under grace? If the Bible ain't made no, why, listen, the Christian life have enough stuff that we have to deal with. Why put more restrictions on yourself? Listen, if you want to, listen, if I want to wear a nice Apple watch, I will wear my Apple watch. I don't care what Walter Corbin say. <laughs> listen, if I, listen, if he want to do an Android, he's free to do it. All he want, I ain't like, I got no problem with Brother Walter, he want to do Android. If you want to drive a Beamer or a Jaguar, that's okay. Who am I to look at you and judge you and criticize you and say, well, why aren't you doing this and that? How many know you ought to get, listen, let me just judge mental. 
It's the spirit of the enemy. We are not supposed to be judging each other that way. Listen, I don't know your heart and you don't know my heart. So we need to stop tripping. One thing we need to be concerned about, Paul said this, that we make sure that the grace that we have, that, 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 that it don't cause somebody else to stumble. So, so here's my, so, so in the grace that I got, I, I'm walking in grace. I'm living my grace. I want to make sure that if Paul says I won't, I won't eat, I won't drink, I won't do anything whereby I will cause my brother to stumble. You know? If you know that a brother or sister coming to your house, they don't like jazz music, or they don't like punk rock, then don't play it. If you know it's going to make them get all in the flesh and get mad and want to punch you out and say, I'll never want to come to your house ever again. But when they leave, jazz it up. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, keep it right. But the point being is that we got all these rules and all these regulations. And let me tell you something. And what happens is, let me, let me tell you why this is so important. Because we push people away from God instead of people wanting to come to God. Because they look at you, uh, they look at us as a people that just want to put rules and restrictions on people. So you know what? They don't want to have nothing to do with church. They, they, they're like, you know, legalism push people away. People don't want to be a part of that. And when they smell it, they're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. No, people want to go into a place where they feel like they're accepted. We're not saying that we're going to just let people just sin all over. I'm not even talking about sin. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about us being judgmental, talking about people and criticizing people when we don't know the full story. So here's what I learned. I don't judge. I don't listen. I don't mess with other people. Listen, listen, if you got whatever you got, praise God. Let me have some too. Share with me. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to judge. You. you know why? Because we're free. So whatever you do, just make sure you serve in God. Make sure your conscience is clear. Make sure that what you're doing, that you're not causing somebody else to stumble. Make sure that you're loving God, that you're serving him. You're serving his people. Outside of that, enjoy your life. Live in grace. Come alive. Come alive means that we enjoy the grace that God has given to us. Finally, Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, freedom. Everybody say freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. That's it. That's the key. That's it. He says, don't use it for opportunity for the flesh. He says, but through love, watch this, serve one another. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be a church of grace, a people of grace. You know what a people of grace look like? i tell you what a people of grace look like. There are people that know that they have their own personal shortcomings and they don't prejudge anybody else. A people of grace, they appeal and they look for the best in people. How many know that if anybody coming through our church doors, the fact that they walked in the door ought to tell us something. They know they need some help. <laughs> Even if they got issues, the fact that they came to the church. So why repel them away because they don't smell and look like you? A people of grace are not judgmental. Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus didn't go and do a five, you know, everybody he talked to. Can, okay, a woman called in the doctor. Can you tell me before I, before I, I set you free, can you tell me everybody you slept with? Uh, can you tell me how many? How, how many? Can you tell me? Who, who, what's his name? Jesus didn't get into all that. He just loved people. A people of grace 
are cheerful. A people of grace are excited about their God. A people of grace are fun. They're excited. They're fun to be around. They're non-judgmental. They love each other. They don't cut each other in the back. They stand for one another. That's a people of grace. The people that love God and they appreciate everything that God has done for them because they know that whatever they are, wherever they are, it was because of the grace of God. So I want to encourage you today, live in grace. Understand that you've been saved by grace, that you are kept by grace, and you are to walk in grace. And your life will never be the same. Amen? Every head is bowed.